I will do the intero business. Yeah, no swearing. You heard me. Yeah, no swearing. Okay, we can do this. We're strong. show. Uh, I am your host, Philippa War, and joining me today, as per usual, on this, the 5th of July, it is Brendan Caldwell. Hello. And Adam Smith. Hello. How are you both? Good, 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 good. I'm good. <clears throat> yeah, choking, sorry, sore throat. I was going to say, you're not sounding good. No, I don't sound good, but I am good. I'm great. Do you think this podcast will be the last thing you ever say? I, well, you know what? Let's make sure I go on a bright spot then. <laughs> so not like usual. Just Adam spending his last words rubbishing Baldur's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, exactly your... how I want to go out. <laughs> what's on your hit list this week, Adam? <laughs> well, I got a few things in mind. No, you know, I'm feeling positive about everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is this from your Barcelona trip? Have you been rejuvenated? Yes, I have. Uh, I went to Barcelona for Game Lab, which is a um, it's like a business-to-business conference, so it's not the kind of thing I normally go to. It's uh, not consumer-facing, but essentially it's a lot of very, very important people talking to each other on stages and in bars and in hotel lobbies. So why were the- we there? <laughs> I was there because I'm an important person, Pip. No, I was there to, to listen to them and to try and <laughs> pick their brains. And uh, and, and it was great. Uh, I'd just come off the back of E3, which was an exhausting slog of a trip. And then uh, Game Lab was really uh, invigorating. Um, it's like walking through. As I say, we, we were on the outskirts of Barcelona, so everyone was kind of trapped in this hotel, which worked out quite nice because it meant that you'd just be having lunch in the lobby and there's Fumito Ueda, the guy who made The Last Guardian and Shadow of the Colossus, and Ico, talking to Richard Garriott. And over there is um, somebody else famous who I can't remember now. <laughs> Sam Lake was there. <laughs> Sam Lake is the guy from Remedy whose face was used for Max Payne, which is really disconcerting because... He's just a kind of tall, thin man in a suit with Max Payne's face, which is very distracting. <laughs> you were there hosting something as well, weren't you? Yeah, Doing I did two on-stage conversations. One with uh, uh, Dino Patti, who um, is ex of Playdead, the guys who made uh, Limbo and Inside. He was one of the co-founders, but he just left uh, a few months ago, and he's now uh, working with a new studio making an entire new game, but I was talking to him about um, uh, Playdead and how to how to survive as an experimental indie company, essentially. Um, and then I was also talking to Raul Rubio uh, at Tequila Works, uh, who just released Rhyme, uh, the uh, very beautiful um, uh, youngster on an adventure, which I think is a genre like Zelda. So we were talking to, me and Rubio were talking about um, diversity in creativity how um, having a diverse team makes you question yourself and your assumptions and about how that feeds into making more exciting games and he told a really wonderful story about the fact that rhyme is this incredibly colorful almost cartoonish world and he said so many people look at it and they think it's a fantasy world and he said but for us we were just looking out the window we live on the mediterranean and we were just making our environment <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, I, it just doesn't look like anything I would ever see in the real world. You know, I made a little wisecrack that you know, being from Manchester, I didn't know there were more than four <laughs> colours. So. Um, it doesn't look anything like outside. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, you obviously made all of this up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I had one of those weird moments when I was in LA for the first time because I was a bit like, oh, this is like on telly and in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, and suddenly you think, oh, it makes sense. <laughs> Could you and and this came to an interesting point, which came from the conversation, which is that 
if you know you, you hear this all the time you know write what you know um uh, people say it to to writers you know um and with this kind of thing with rhyme and even with um urban games like i mean graphic auto isn't people making what they know i know it's you know extrapolated from from film and cinema and television but you you see these things and you assume everything is totally exaggerated going back to rhyme and actually if you make your own everyday experiences then to other people they're quite extraordinary because your everyday experience is unique to you uh, and i think that is actually uh, quite a powerful point which was raul's point not mine that yeah the things that you take for granted and assume are just ordinary there's somebody else that they absolutely aren't uh, and then if you have then 30 different voices on a team who all have different backgrounds different ideas different experiences different childhoods and you kind of try and make a melting pot of all that stuff then you have something incredibly unique that becomes fantastical because yeah that's that's what it is you know people's everyday is incredible so you ride the crest of a wave to the next island and rhyme and you just see the manchester arena just <laughs> coming over the horizon all trafford off there in the distance <laughs> <laughs> the set of coronation street yeah yeah which um <laughs> has moved recently but that's an entirely different story <laughs> um but yeah it was great and I, um there was a there's a wonderful story that ral told actually about um assumptions in games because uh tequila works first game they were they all came from bigger studios the, the people who formed tequila works including blizzard and the first game was deadlight which uh, is a zombie game and it doesn't seem like a very exciting field to work in i don't think it is a particularly exciting game but it does some interesting things uh, and one of those things is that it basically says if you try and fight the zombies you'll die because there's too many of them and they never stop they'll just kill you eventually and he was saying when they play tested it in europe and japan on the whole people got it but when they play tested in america and this is his words not mine not me saying this is how americans behave uh, when they play tested in america they, what they found is a lot of people were just like trying to kill all the zombies they saw zombies and they just ran to all them started punching them and there isn't even a punch button, so you just get eaten. And so he said there was this one guy in particular who just repeatedly died during the playtest. And he came to him and said, the game's broken, I can't kill the zombies. And he was like, well, you've not even got a weapon. So the guy was like, oh, right. And he ran back over and found an axe and then started trying to kill the zombies. And your stamina just runs out. Uh, and you, your stamina <laughs> runs out and you can no longer wield the axe. And you slow down and then get eaten. And the guy was like, oh, no, it's still broken now. They're still not dying with the axe. And he was just like, some people are just never going to get this game, are they? <laughs> well, that's like a metaphor for the war on drugs or something. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those really beautiful anecdotes, which, uh, you know, does summarize the things that we take for granted sometimes that a game is doing something interesting and how that can even a small change can really throw people off. And yeah, and with Rhyme, they had a whole issue where they said in a lot of the reviews, they got a lot of like six out of tens and a lot of those reviews were just saying, you know, oh, it's, it's okay. It's a really beautiful world. I quite like the story, I like the setting. I like exploring it, but the puzzles are too easy. And he was like, I, with all those reviews, I was like, that's okay because the puzzles are supposed to be easy. We didn't want to make a game where people got stuck on the puzzles. So he's like, if that's what you want from the game, fine. It's a six out of ten to you, but that's the criticism that I don't mind because they're actually just explaining what we intended to do. Um, and that idea that a game has to be difficult to... You know, it's like if there's a puzzle and it's not incredibly challenging, then the designer must have screwed it up because that's what puzzles are there for. But he's like, they're just there to kind of interrupt the flow rather than to stop you. That's like when I was talking about Old Man's Journey and the idea was that it wouldn't ever frustrate you. It would give you a thing to do and like a light puzzle to solve. But, you know, it was supposed to be that people who were super not, au fait with those control mechanisms or with gaming necessarily would be able to approach it and still get something out of it yeah absolutely yeah yeah the other person that i spoke to a lot was mike pondsmith who uh you may or may not know he was the creator of the pen and paper cyberpunk role-playing game so he's now working with cd project red on cyberpunk 20 70 or is it 77 77 77 say, yeah it is sure. it is 77 yeah 2020 was the original setting yeah and he's a kind of a consultant designer on that uh, i'm not going to go into too much detail because i've been talking a lot already but but um my favorite mike story i spoke to him for like two and a half hours he's a really fascinating person lots of ideas about futurism where we're going lots of talk about amputation and 
the fact that eventually he thinks amputation will be normalized because the body horror of augmentation is the thing that prevents it rather than the technology. And uh, he's for. Did you talk about all this at like at a bar, like just him standing there talking about cutting arms off? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and eventually I said to him, I said, "Would you be first in line if this technology became uh, common?" And he was like, "Oh my god, no! I'm really squeamish." <laughs> and, I'm <just> like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's got like a pierced ear, and he's like, "That's as far as I go." <laughs> he was like, "Even if I get cataracts, I'm kind of worried about getting laser surgery on my eyes." <laughs> Cyberpunk NIMBY. like really into transhumanism but just sort of like in theory and not practice not in my body he's he's very much (laughs) for the practice of it but he's just uh you know he he thinks the next generation will be more open to it but but it was interesting because he was saying you know like we people go under the knife and you know it's like if you have a nose job you're going to get your nose probably broken in several places and your skull partially reconstructed and he's like, you know, we have surgeries that aren't necessary. People have them. Um, basically, I was like, amputation is another step because that's an actual loss. Uh, and he kind of agreed. He was like, once we get past that, though, then we'll be able to do all kinds of different things. You've had a really eventful time. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of stories. Well, I, of, I'm going to be yeah. writing lots about Mike because um, I spoke to him a lot about what he's doing with CD Projekt Red. Um He's uh, got lots and lots of stuff to say about the translating pen and paper into a game system, about how he first met CD Projekt Red, which is a good story in itself, and also about how there have been attempts to adapt Cyberpunk before and where he thinks they went wrong, uh, because he's kind of glad it's never happened before because he's sold the rights to it before, and he's like, and thankfully the game never came about uh, in, I think it was three instances, because he hated what they were doing with it. Um, (laughs) So this one he seems quite happy with. You also spoke to a bunch of other people while you were out there, didn't you? In a kind of newsworthy vein. I know that you've written it up on the site, but shall we Shall we have a little chat about Arcane and the goings on there? Yeah, I should specify with Arcane. I did talk to uh, Raphael. This is uh, uh, Raphael Colantonio, uh, who was the president and co-founder of Arcane, who uh, announced that he was leaving the day before Game Lab started. Uh, I didn't actually do the interview. That was a... Uh, Bertie from Eurogamer. Ah, okay. I spoke to uh, Raphael separately, but but most of the quotes that are on the site are from Bertie, um, who talked to him on stage. So we found out, uh, we knew Bertie was going to be talking to him, so we were in the bar like the day before Game Lab started, and uh, we were saying, like, you know, oh, are you looking forward to doing this talk? And he was going through all the things he'd like to ask Raphael. And then as we were sitting there, uh, somebody else was at the table, was you should probably look at this, and just held his phone up, and the news had just come through that he announced that he was going to leave Arcane. And it was like, well, there goes all my notes for the interview, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bit of a quandary. It was like, is he going to be happy to talk about this? Is it something that's, um, you know, you don't know why somebody's going to leave, you know? And we were speculating, as, as you do, anyone does, but journalists in particular. And there was a lot of speculation about, is this a bad sign for Arcane? Not just that somebody who is an important member of the studio would be leaving, but that maybe he was leaving because sales hadn't been as good as they hoped. Because I think with Prey and Dishonored, um, which are the games they've made with Bethesda, you know, Arcane had been going for a long time before the Bethesda relationship. But but uh, with those games, they the games that are very much critics' games and a certain kind of critic, and you talk to people within the industry and they tend to love them and have a lot of admiration for them but they they're not blockbuster games in terms of sales they do well that they're big games but they're never going to be huge games and i think prey may have been slightly disappointing sales wise um i don't know what bethesda expected from it i don't think they've actually publicly said um but i doubt it sold as much as they were hoping it would but it turns out that the reason Raphael is stepping down and I see no reason to not believe him in this from having spoken to him as well, is because he's just tired. He's been doing this for 18 years, and Arcane nearly went bankrupt three times during those 18 years, and he's one of the people who held it together. And, you know, it's exhausting. He's got a kid, he's got a music career as well, he's a composer and performer, and I think he wants to spend more time just doing things that don't involve 24-hour work days and constant stress. And that doesn't, I'm not talking about crunch when I say 24-hour work days. I'm talking about the worry, the constant worry of, you know, is this thing going to be finished on time? Is this thing going to sell as much as we need it to? 
where's the next paycheck coming from once this game's over? And, you know, he spent 18 years doing that, so I don't begrudge the man a rest. <laughs> He's also the one famous for using some rude words to describe the press. That's true, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, made it into, dis- uh, into pray as a, an achievement. I think as turns of phrase go, it's got us quite a lot of mileage, if you see what I mean, in <laughs> yeah. terms of being sort of so hyperbolic that it's useful comedically like in my head i put it in the same bracket as randy pitchford's battleborn tweet you know what was randy pitchford's battleborn tweet oh god it was um i i now having learned it by heart of like a few months ago i now can't entirely remember it but it's stuff about like genre blending um you know that kind of it it uses all kinds of business speak slash genre lingo to describe the prospect of battleborn that basically left everybody none the wiser i'll try and find some links for that and for the exact phrase that uh rafael colantonio used as well because (laughs) we shouldn't repeat certain things on the podcast but (laughs) yeah but i i've only met rafael the one time which was this week in Barcelona, and uh, apart from seeming incredibly tired and distracted, he was incredibly nice. And I do have sympathy for people who say bad things about the press, because I say bad things about the press all the time as well. <laughs> 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 um, and I don't think that what he said was particularly justified. Uh, uh, but you know, I can, yeah, you know, I, it goes both it's ways. It's definitely maybe. worthy of being put on a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, well, that's enough from Barcelona. Shall we move to closer to home in terms of patch notes that wind up in our inbox? I believe Brendy has the latest round of Patch Adam. So Patch Adam is normally when we uh, we pick a game, we pick some patch notes from it, recent patch notes, and then we mix up some patch notes that we've made up ourselves and then I ask Adam and Pip to tell me which are true and which are false. Why did you say normally? <laughs> because I've noticed that you guys are actually quite good at it. And you only usually get like one or two wrong. So I've decided I'll make it a little bit harder this week. What I've done this week is I've taken patch notes from many different games. <laughs> and you need to tell me this week as a team. Okay, you're working together. Okay. Which game the patch note is from. Oh, God. Uh, okay. But these are all real patch notes, then. <laughs> these are all real, okay? There's no fake ones in here. That would be really difficult. Which which, <laughs> which game is this? <laughs> which game is Brendy now writing patch note fanfic for? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but usually there it's going to be a little bit harder, but usually there is a clue in the patch note. You might be able to figure it out based on that. All right, so are you ready? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, here's the first one. Fixed players being able to accidentally start a fire under themselves. Oh, that could that could be most game. <laughs> yeah. FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> that would have improved our standing in the league, I'll tell you that. <laughs> like to fire under some of those guys. <laughs> hmm, I don't know. I, I tend to think the Sims, but then again, that's because no, most patch notes. I don't think you'd Sims. refer to them as players, that's the thing. You'd refer that, to them as Sims. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think it's going to be some survival game. Um, Would armor? Hmm, no, Daisy. Rust. Okay, yeah, let's go rust. It's the long dark. Oh, of course, oh! it's the long dark. So you were you were quite <laughs> oh. close with the survival lines. I know, but that's the one we like. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one. Fixed an issue that made the cloth of the chef's apron extremely loud. Well, this is obviously a little nightmares. Okay, I'll bow to your superior knowledge. <laughs> it's Hitman. Oh, that... <laughs> oh. It makes sense. Oh. I mean, yes. Yes. It you don't does. want your chef's apron to be extremely loud when you're trying to assassinate someone. That would be very annoying, yeah. It yeah. hadn't even occurred to me that that would be a thing. <laughs> no, me neither. I got oh, I got too excited. Okay. Mush bars should now give you diarrhea. Which bars? Mush bars. I really feel like that's like Daisy or something. It could be Daisy, yeah. It, or Oh, God. Um, it's a mush bar. I don't know what a mush bar is either. Don't starve? Could it be don't starve? No, no. I don't think... Can you get diarrhea no, and don't starve? No, you can't, I don't no. think you can. You guys are close in a way. 
in a way. So is it like armor instead of? <laughs> um, uh, oh, oh! Is it Clay's new space station game? Auction not included. It is. Yes. <gasps> nice one. Because the rations are called mush bars. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Wow. One out of three so far. I'm glad I'm on your team. <laughs> I've been doing terribly. Yeah, but you might have got a hitman if I hadn't jumped in. I'm going to say you guys need to get five to win. Oh, no. How many are there? There's ten. Okay. Oh, okay. Fixed issue where a guest would arrive to the player's wedding dead. I f- feel like that might be the Sims. But they can't. No, because that wouldn't be fixed. Who has weddings? Ghosts, what has ghosts weddings? can go to weddings in the Sims. That's absolutely legitimate. <laughs> um. Okay then, what <laughs> games have weddings? Can we think of any? Yeah, that's um, what games have what games have weddings where a guest might be dead? Would it be like um the red wedding in Game of Thrones? This has got to be something which has got some dynamic elements to it. So that I, um oh uh, I yeah, games with weddings. Damn, I think you guys will kick yourself when you hear this. Oh, oh no. no, is How it like hard? wedding simulator or something? <laughs> no, no. Oh. Um well um, the Sims. Oh, I it won't be, but no, no it won't. I, Go I on. can't think of anything. It's Skyrim. Oh, because you get married. I'm not kicking myself. I didn't get married. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My right. playthrough is canon. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Here's the next one. Drinking buddy, now set to essential. Adam, do we just not know anything about games? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is. A patch note from my autobiography. <laughs> okay, who would have a drinking buddy? Would it be like Valhalla or something? Is this Kenshi? If this is Kenshi, you're in no, deep trouble. No, I'll give you. I'll give you a clue. The drinking buddy is is capitalized D, capitalized B. Uh, is it like a dry buddy or whatever? Isn't that? Oh no, that I think that's a potty training thing. Anyway, <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, We've really failed. No, because the buddy. You thing, guys are running out of time. Okay, it's uh, the drinking buddy thing. It's a Fallout thing, right? But I don't know which Fallout it is. Oh, which Fallout is it? Oh, I'm just gonna say it's Fallout Four. It is Fallout Four. Cool. Is that because they're not patching any of the rest of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just because I don't remember it, and I only played Fallout Four very, very briefly. Uh, and also Fallout 4 seems to be the most roboty one, so... Okay. <laughs> Here's one. Fixed issue whereby a noblewoman in red would sometimes follow the player everywhere they go. Again, this is from my autobiography. <laughs> oh, because here I would have said, I would have said this was Skyrim. This is Skyrim for the, uh, yeah, yeah. We've just had two two Bethesdas back to back. This feels like a maybe it's a is it a Bethesda special? Is this another? Maybe one? it is. Um, oh. Uh, okay, okay. It's got to be an RPG. Um, okay, so a noble woman in red. Um, is it The Witcher? Witcher three. It is The Witcher three. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> I've contributed. You've got you've got four right so far. So you're doing well. We can still do this. Fixed issue where eels would push the player out of the water. <laughs> eels. What has eels? Um, Abzu? The East End. <laughs> but I don't think Abzu has eels that would push you. No, you have to jump out of the water in Abzu, don't you? At some velocity. <laughs> so they'd have to be, that'd be... I'd like to eels see it. Eels would push you out of the water. Does Ark have eels? Uh, possibly. I'm wondering if this is... Um, so to me, I'm trying to work out if it's something which is ASCII, like Dwarf Fortress, where it's you're being pushed but not actually being pushed physically. You know, it's all just mm. um, rule sets. Well, we haven't had a Dwarf Fortress, and this is a patch notes quiz. I know, so... but this doesn't sound like it's exciting enough to be a Dwarf Fortress patch note. Um, oh. I, let's go with Ark. You, you, I think, go, let's go with Ark. It is Ark. Wow. <gasps> yes. You got it. So good at this. All right, so you've won, <laughs> but let's see, let's see if we can do more. Player can no longer lock themselves in the security pharmaceuticals office. Uh, prison architect? No, no, because again, I wouldn't think it'd be player. Although you can play in adventure mode. Or the escapists? No. I think we should have tapped out while we were winning. Let's say prison architect. <laughs> we can't lose points, can we? <laughs> <laughs> it's prey. Yeah. It is a Bethesda special. It is. <laughs> There's no more Bethesda games. All right, we'll say that much. Okay. Fixed getting stuck behind the bushes at the end of day 77. Uh, oh. oh, is this Firewatch? 
It's Firewatch. Yeah. Nice. You got it. Okay, here's the last one. Player can now sleep on the junk sofa found in the landfill. <laughs> can I make the autobiography joke a third time? <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> is it going to be something like Life is Strange? I don't think so. I don't remember. Oh, actually. No, because I, I can't remember a time when you can sleep in Life is Strange, you know, like in no. out, outdoors. But maybe you could nap, but no, it doesn't seem likely, does it? If it is now, then I apologise. That's okay. I've also backed away from it, so I don't really get to claim any moral. See, see, my, my, I'm now thinking: is does this mean you take the sofa from the landfill and take it home, uh, or are you sleeping in the landfill like in Parks and Recreation? I assume you'd just be napping in the landfill. It's Chris Pratt in Parks and Recreation. Uh, <laughs> Parks and Recreation. Sure. Um, it's not Parks and Recreation. It's My Summer Car. Ah, oh, I need to play that. Just for this. Yeah, you just need to for read that. the patch yeah. notes. Anyway, there it is. Uh, you guys got six out of ten. We built up a bit of a, a head of steam we did, once yeah. we did get going. So I think you guys did well, but definitely that's the ratio correct to incorrect that I want to get out of Patch Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. I'm glad that we could, uh, could oblige. <laughs> When you said that it was going to be different this week, I had this horrible moment where I thought, and I don't know why this came to mind, I thought you were going to go back through things I'd written on RPS, and some of them would be real quotes that I'd written, and some would be ones you'd made up, because I bet I'd be terrible at that. Why would you say this? That's an excellent idea. Maybe I'll oh. can be another future patch, Adam. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Right, shall we talk about what we've all been playing this week? Well, yes. all of us except me, because I haven't. I have been gallivanting around the country, and thus most of what I have been playing is mobile, and thus forbidden. Neglecting your video game duties. <laughs> I know! <laughs> I'm just sort of like creaking my way back into mouse and keyboard land. Oh, easing in with some itchio games. How about you? What have you been playing, Brandy? Um, I've been playing a, something called Worlds Adrift, which is a sandbox MMO uh, made strangely by the people who made Surgeon Simulator and I Am Bread, which are like funny physics games where you you mess up your you mess up surgery and um, being a slice of bread because of like a wacky physics engine, basically. Um, but this is a a much bigger, a much more ambitious project where it's set in a world that's had some kind of cataclysm and all the the earth is now like kind of float floating islands and there's just abyss between them all like kind of cloudy abyss and you have to punch trees and stone and make a airship and fly your airship around and there's all different people like hanging out mmo style or i guess more like survival game kind of style and uh they can kill you if they want or they can be your mates um and, and i experienced both of those uh both of those things i wrote about it when it had i think either just been announced or when they were still accumulating signups for the betas and things like that but i think it struck me as a kind of the the Vehicle crafting stuff was almost in the vein of Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts uh, kind yeah, of thing. Is, yeah. And then you'd have kind of this uh, airship piracy element with, you know, physics-y kind of... Um, I think there was something where you could throw out a, a hookshot or like a line yes, that would the, go to something else. Yeah, the, that is the probably the biggest thing that I've completely neglected to mention is that you have a grappling hook and it's uh, <laughs> it's bound to your um, right mouse button at all times and it's basically apart from like running around and moving it's basically your principal means of transportation and it's a lot of fun um, the physics engine when it when it isn't like janking out and having a seizure uh, it it's very very fun and kind of like ragdoll 
Um, so swinging from rock ledge to rock ledge is re really fluid and nice once you get the hang of it. Um, and because they're all floating islands, it's possible to like kind of lower yourself down the side of one of the islands, kind of repel down using the grappling hook, and then let go and swing underneath the entire island, no matter how big it is, like just basically doing a grappling hook the whole way if you have the finesse to do that um and then cl like clamber your way back up what happens if you fall you just fall forever if you fall uh you you kind of fall in this horrible wind whistling past your head kind of way and your body <laughs> like the way your body moves it, it's it's horrifying like i took a couple of screenshots um i did a premature evaluation on it so i'll put a link into that article but in a couple of the screenshots are me falling off a my airboat and um the way your body is like contorted in the air looks so it's it's so frightening but eventually you hit like a kind of gray area where the, things go dark and your body just like dies slowly <laughs> well thank god for that because otherwise it'd be horrifying there's no bottom like there's no no there's no end. sea or, or or rocky ground it's just wow. kind of darkness and you die i love that like at some point video games are just like okay well let's just take it that you're dead at this point in the abyss whereas i guess if you were just falling forever you'd eventually just get bored and then have to just die of starvation or dehydration or something <laughs> but yeah it's it's um it's a lot of fun it it's still quite early days um they've released a bunch of the, they're getting access to it so the beta is kind of like it's not exactly open but it's not exactly closed it's like it's like a door that opens sometimes and lets some people in and then they close it again. And it's yeah, all like paid. so waves of invites. Yeah, basically like that. Um, and I think that's because it might, I don't know, for the reasons of technology, you play on a server, there's four servers and they're all the different regions. And they say this is a persistent world, so they want everybody to, you know, in one server to be able to meet each other and stuff. And that could be a strain on the technology that they're using. Well, they're using like it's that new thing. What do they call? Is called? it improbable? Improbable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's called spatial OS. They're using, and it's like um, I don't know exactly how. I it spoke works. to um, Hilmar Goodison, the CEO of um, CCP, the guys who make Eve Online, about it because he was saying that with um, uh, Eve Online, they built something very similar, but theirs is just a, a very, very custom solution for Eve. Which basically makes each server entirely persistent. Every everything on the server is tracked and stays persistent forever. Uh, and improbable have basically cracked the idea of doing that as a third party thing, or at least that's what they're saying they've done. The proof will be in the pudding as these things. Yeah, come out, yeah. But... I think the the proof will come out much later down the line because even yeah. as I'm playing, there are there are moments where the slowdown is really really big, and I don't think it has anything to do with my computer because I bust it down to the lowest settings. I'm still over the the required specs and stuff and it slows down or the physics engine goes mad and like throws you off the boat and i don't know how you know how much they can scale it up like if there were a hundred players in you know around one island how how adverse an effect that would have because yeah. what you notice now is the world is quite like empty and it's nice like that because you are mostly left to your own devices and then every so often you'll encounter another player and it's kind of that moment where you don't know, are they going to be nice? Are they going to be nasty? Most of the time, I find people have been really nice. Like, I, people give me blueprints and resources and stuff um, to, to work on new parts for my ship and things. Only one time did a guy steal my parking space and then blew up my ship because I wouldn't stop complaining that he'd stolen it. <laughs> that escalated really quickly. Yeah, well, you have these, like, shipyards, and they are both places where you build your ship and where you can park it, and a big, like, kind of protective bubble comes up around it. And I came to an island, and it was completely uninhabited, and I was like, oh, this is brilliant, I'll, I'll land here. But I had to, like, stop my ship, so I had to leave the steering wheel and pull down the seal because I don't have an engine, I just have to run on wind power. And um, I had to pull down my seal, and I went down to the surface, and I built a little like shipyard my my parking space and then i went back up and i was like okay time to park and another guy just came and swooped in and just landed there and started like running around collecting things and i was like uh excuse me shouting over to him 
in uh, all caps because when you use all caps you you can communicate further <laughs> so i was like shouting to him in all caps like uh, excuse me i was about to park there i made that so i could park there and he just said there's three other parking spaces on this island man go find them and i was like <laughs> how rude and i was like oh, and i was like all right you know what i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and i was like okay well do you know where these other park parking spaces are and he was like go fly into the sky and look for them unless you're blind Wow. wow what a what a jerk like he just, he just like i couldn't like and it was funny that like it did escalate after that and he blew up my ship but i think the biggest <laughs> offense was him just being a jerk like in the most petty way <laughs> I, I find it fun that that was the kind of bad encounter you can have in an mmo you know beyond just getting ganked or getting shot from like far away or something like that like someone stealing your parking space and telling you go and find your own being the most that actually really holds true to my experience of driving in real life to be honest people are awful (laughs) um but yeah uh so i i find it really interesting and really fun to play i like the kind of sailing between islands um, using the wind to power you because the you do have to kind of steer in the direction of the wind and try and catch it as best as you can on the seals and the way that you build your ship is all governed by the same physics engine that everything else is governed by so if you build it lopsided it will kind of list and and won't turn properly and stuff like that so you need to do take physics into account when you're making your airship uh, which i think is really interesting i'm really looking forward to it like i i'm very burned out on mmos and have been for a long time but um i wrote an article about it as well which was mostly about the tech but uh yeah i'm i'm really i'm glad that you're enjoying it because i think that in theory it sounds like something i'd enjoy a lot but i wasn't sure if it had you know work all that well but it's this is promising i was just gonna say i've got one question though which is about the the blueprint stuff so is is it that if you have a blueprint you can then make like more complicated things or is it that in theory you can make everything just by positioning different bits in no they have crafting they have two kind of ways to do it the blueprints work really easily like if you find a blueprint and sometimes you find them in chests or in different places like uh, little boxes like loot crates and stuff like that on different islands if you find them you just kind of find them in your inventory right click and then you click learn and then you know how to build that thing like forever it's just it's just in your mind like you've learned it so that's that's decent and then there's another way where you have a little device, it's like a scanner, it's just a little wire that you plug into things and you shoot it at things like your grappling hook, but it doesn't have any like staying power, it just kind of like touches things. And you hear a little whirring noise and it says, oh, you've gained four knowledge from sticking your wire in this tree. Um, and, and you just go around doing that to different objects that you've never seen before. Like if you find a, a ruin, like I, I went by one island and I found like the top of what looked like a building sticking out of it. And I was like, oh, what's in this? And I kind of parked my ship and went down onto the island and I found it was a whole skyscraper. It looked like a skyscraper that had been buried in this island. And I could go down inside it and I would scan the elevators and the doors and stuff and it would like give me a little uh, little boost of knowledge. And then you that knowledge is basically your XP and you buy the new knowledge of bits of your ship, basically. So you upgrade what if you want to get wings you just have to learn a certain amount basically uh and then you can build whatever you want so it i think it i think it could be afford to be a bit more generous with uh you know scanning things like that because it's quite tedious after a while but uh it doesn't seem to be as like how can you say um uh tight-fisted as crafting something in eve online or something like that you know where you have to have a blueprint per thing that you want to build or something like that. That does sound good because I think they, the developers had sort of suggested to me to try it out a few times and it was one of those ones where I actually, I think I didn't want to play it in early access exactly because I was really interested in it but I was worried that I'd sort of see it, you know, with its, almost with its clothes off, you know, <laughs> and yeah. then not be able to forget that when the actual game came out. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's It's definitely something, if you don't, they released a bunch of beta keys today um, or yesterday for our listeners. And if you don't get them, I, I think don't worry too much because I think the finished thing is going to be much more uh, fun to play, you know, once all the bits get added and the, the bugs and kinks get sorted out. Because right now it's still prone to like crashing, freezing, 
weird physics things like if you walk on a if you walk on a certain type of panel it'll just kill you um <laughs> a piece of wood landed on my head and i got crushed into the earth um you know it's different things the patch notes from that are going to be good to keep an eye on <laughs> <laughs> i shall do that <laughs> what about you adam what have you been up to um i've been playing a bunch of stuff that i really like but most of it's quite old. I've been playing lots of Path of Exile, which is the uh, action RPG, uh, free-to-play one from Grinding Gear. Uh, they started it off because um, they essentially wanted something a bit more like Diablo 2, and they're now several years in, and I think 11 patches slash expansions since release, and doing another patch which doubles another expansion, sorry, which doubles the size of the game. Um, is and, this the Oriath thing? Yeah, Full of Oriath is a new one, yeah. So it adds loads of new stuff in, but also literally adds double the amount of acts to the game. And, and it, it is so good. I forget how good it is till I go back and play it. Um, it is a clicky, clicky action RPG. You know, you're just finding loot and killing things, and there's not, there's not a huge amount of thought while you're playing it. But there's depth through some of the design decisions. Basically, the, everything you collect and everything that you see um, there's usually some way of interacting with it by either putting gems in it or changing it in some way. Um, and I just really, really like it. I think it's my favorite of those kind of games. And I'm amazed that it's still it's a free game um, and it's done so well. I mean, I spoke to the guys at E3 um, who set up the company and they've gone from being, I think it was 15 originally to 90 people all on the back of a free-to-play game. Are they based in um, New, Zealand. New Zealand? Yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I've been playing a lot of that, getting ready for the new expansion. I've got a big interview that I did with them at E3, and I wanted to just play a little bit of the um, beta of the expansion um, before writing up the interview, because there's a couple of things in it I didn't fully understand, because I talk about concepts from the expansion. Uh, I've also been playing lots of PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, because, yes, I've fallen into that one, and I absolutely <laughs> adore it been playing quite a lot with Graham and we uh we we play as a duo obviously um and um we managed to finish third um as a team um that's the best we've done together uh but in all the time we've been playing we've only killed one person because we just we we succeed through cowardice and <laughs> it's a beautiful thing we just we just find a vehicle and we just ride around together hiding from gunfire and then when the actual battlefield gets really small, because it shrinks, you know, like uh, when it gets really, really small, we abandon our vehicle and just hide in a toilet somewhere. And then someone kills us and we go, we did great and high five each other. <laughs> uh, so that's that. And then the other one that I've been playing is Get Even, which um, is a really weird, unusual and fascinating game. Uh, Alec wrote a really good review of it. Um, and it's such a hard game to summarize because it's a first-person shooter uh, in which you're a mercenary doing infiltration missions and hostages and stuff like that and you've got a gun and all that kind of stuff and you can scan to find enemies and have maps and things and you know it's an fps game it's a tactical fps game but it's also a psychological horror game uh, and it's not like fear the old uh, monolith game fear which was literally an FPS that had horror moments in it. This is actually a psychological horror game, as in there's lots of reality shifting. There's entire bits that don't have any guns in where you're just wandering around and being scared, but not in a jump scare kind of way. It's much more uh, interesting than that. Uh, and it's really odd. It's genuinely strange in a way that few games are because it's, it's just so much um, outside the genre it feels to be a part of. You know, it's got all the bits that an FPS game should have, but it just isn't interested in doing anything traditional with them. And I kind of love it for that. There's, there's, I've got issues with it, but I'm really, really glad I'm playing it because I've never played anything else like it. So, and that's that's exciting. So that's Get Even. And uh, we'll put in a link to Alex's review because um, Alex liked it a lot. I think I probably like it more than Alex did, but I've not finished it yet. So, um, yeah. Is it a full release or is it? Yeah, it's a full access? release. Yeah, yeah. It was um, interestingly, it was gonna be released a month earlier. It only came out uh, very recently, uh, and they delayed it for uh, an entire month, I think, after the um, the bombs at the Manchester Arena, uh, and they said, you know, it, this is not the right climate to release it. And 
I always wonder about things like that because there are so many games released that have acts of terror in them and you know be lucky to install a game and not have gunfire and explosions in it so i'm always like well how is this one the one that you don't and having played it now i can absolutely see why they did delay it um and it's not there's no direct parallel but uh, but there's there's some real tough stuff in there and it's a lot more i just said it's a psychological horror game some of the stuff in it that is horrifying is very much real world stuff um, and it's treating it very seriously, um, despite being a genre piece. Um, it it does treat this stuff as real, and so yeah, I can I can absolutely see why they didn't want to be saying, "Hey, come and play our game," which you know has all all this horror in it. Um, yeah, so that's get even. Yeah, uh, definitely definitely worth a look. If, even if you're just in the if you if you're looking for something, if you like shooters and you like horror games then i don't think you'd be disappointed you might not love it but i don't think you'd be disappointed hmm, that all sounds really interesting probably not one for me <laughs> but yeah i'd be yeah i'll go back and read alex review for sure and are you writing anything about it i might do yeah yeah i might end up doing um but no guarantees Right, I believe that brings us up to question time, and then we say goodbye. <laughs> so, did we get any questions in from our lovely readers? We did. One of them is a very, very sensitive subject. Does anybody, this is from, sorry, Michael Luke Fury, FuryBoy86. Does anybody, anyone at all, use shields in dead cells? And if so, why? And <laughs> what I would say to Michael Fury and to probably everybody who's listening is, why does anybody use bows instead of shields? Because shields are the best. And I don't understand <laughs> this. When I first started playing dead cells, I said to uh, Brendy and Graham, who were both playing it as well, I actually said, this is absolutely true, I said, who uses the bow? I, you know, that's what they're going to have to fix. They're going to have to make the bows useful because they're so useless. And they both just went, what? <laughs> and, uh, well, now what I'm thinking is like, who, no, who does, who would use a shield when you've got, and bows, I understand why you don't bother with them, but this is a game that has throwing knives, okay? I don't yeah. understand why you would use anything else. That, well, well, oh, I'd use a lot of other things. A lot of other things. The thing with Dead Cells is it's obviously amazing. It's brilliant. It's one of my favorite games, you know, released this year or in the last few years, and it's still in early access. Um, and uh, when I had this conversation with Graham about it, he was saying, isn't it really cool that it shows that everyone plays it in different ways and that different character builds work? But I've not met anyone else who actually thinks shields are worth doing. It's just me. Maybe this is how you get in touch with them. They'll listen to the podcast and go, oh, me too. I thought I was the yeah. only one. If you use shields in dead cells, email me, adam at rockpapershotgun.com. Let me know. I'm sat in a club. <laughs> well, if you remember uh, last week, we had an interview with uh, two of the people from Motion Twin who made dead cells. And uh, they did say that uh, among their future plans is to work on shields and make them better. Um, well, there you go. That's... People don't uh, always understand how to use them or what their benefits are. You, so... you hit the nail on the head there. They don't understand how to use them. That's the thing. I I understand I, how to use them. I understand but all I do things. Not have, Let's move on. I Next do not question. Have the Next skill. question. There's a... <laughs> <laughs> do we have any other questions so that we can put this one to rest? Philip Magnus. Uh, at Humble76 asks, how do you lot plan on surviving the slew of games coming out in October? Could use some survival tips. Smiley. Uh, so, actually, I look forward to releases with lots of games, uh, months with lots of releases, because the barren summer months uh, are really frustrating from a review planning point of view. Because the thing is, there's always good games. There's never a week where there isn't an amazing game. That's just the way it is now. Uh, but it's nice to be able to plan ahead. So I look at October and I think, yes, so many games, so many games. And we are coming to the end of the, the quiet months now. Um, I think August is pretty busy as well. But uh, let's look at October specifically. Um, on my list, I have um, uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War, which I'm massively looking forward to. Evil Within 2, which we don't know very much about. Uh, South Park is finally coming out. That's been delayed so many times. Uh, <laughs> Destiny 2. Assassin's Creed Origins, Wolfenstein 2, and Super Mario Odyssey. 
So that's uh <laughs> <laughs> I like how you quietly you said Super Mario Odyssey. I didn't say Super Mario Odyssey. I didn't say it. I don't know where you heard that. That was God. So yeah, the way you deal with it is essentially by assigning the reviews to various people and then trying desperately to catch up with them later over the Christmas break, right? Of those I wanna play uh Shadow of War, I wanna play Evil Within Two, I wanna play Destiny Two, I wanna play Wolfenstein Two and I wanna play <laughs> and possibly Assassin's Creed Origins. So from here till the end of the year now, I think we we just have to. We're just going to be really busy. Um, there's so much stuff. I'm t- I tend to be in sort of Dota mode during the summer, so right. because of the international and things. But then that's what my October gets eaten up by is Worlds for League of Legends and things. So I tend to stop playing things for a few weeks and just have to you know mainline all of this stuff through twitch or through various live events and things like that so i'm very much not actually playing anything but having that be my main games coverage for that yeah, month yeah yeah <laughs> i like the glut i like the glut because there's so much good stuff i usually get to sneak into the to the little column that we have on trello and like put my little name on one of the one of the good games and adam doesn't notice until it's too late and then yeah <laughs> and then i look at it a week ahead and i'm like hang on a minute when did i agree to this <laughs> nice. but no but the, i i think the the coping strategy uh not from our perspective but from from the perspective of somebody who's like there's just too many games is it's very obvious but yeah they get cheaper so you know don't don't rush out and buy every single one of them because yeah. that's really expensive if you prioritize get get a good one and then just wait it out wait until our reviews because they're always 100 percent correct and you'll know where the, where the best <laughs> games are and then buy the, buy the best one and then by the time the christmas sale comes around on steam you can probably pick up the other four from that month for like £10 each rather than £30 each or whatever. Or so. you could pick up the games from early in 2017 exactly. that people have sort of forgotten about and that will resurface in the sale and in goatee uh, lists. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, ne- Never feel rushed to buy all the games. I do that. I always try and play everything as soon as it's released and uh, look at me, I'm a shadow of a man. Yeah, but that's our job. If if you play games as a hobby and you not not you don't have to keep up with it to talk to everybody about it, then just or just talk to you two about it. What have you been playing this week? That's the question all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I yeah I agree. Don't worry. Just get something. Go and play RimWorld. Like enjoy yourself. <laughs> We've also got one question from Leonardo Veras via the Facebook, which is, what are some games with interesting camera systems and or pretty framing? Well, um, I know from my chat room that Brendan has my answer to this. You came up with it first. No, you take it because I haven't played that too much. I just know that it does does interesting things. You can have that. So I'm going to talk about Lulu's Sexy Empire 3D, which is the one that Brendan... No, it's not. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) It's a near automata, which um, is the um, uh, action JRPG, um, all kinds of other genre things uh, from earlier this year, which I reviewed and absolutely adored. And I actually mentioned the camera in the review because uh, I, I, I think that uh, it's one of those things with editing in film. You tend to notice editing when it's bad. And it's the same with cameras in games often. You notice it when it does when it's not doing what you want it to do. But uh, Nia is a really good example of a game where you notice the camera because it's so good. Uh, and the reason it's so good is it's, it's mostly just behind your character. It's a third person, kind of traditional third person perspective. But then every now and then it'll just be like, oh, now you're suddenly playing a game that is 2D uh, platformer from the side. Or now you're playing a top-down shooter. And the camera just remixes uh, the genre of the game just by shifting around. And it's absolutely brilliant the way it does it. And uh, and like it'll just pan out sometimes so that you're you know now you're in an epic fight or it'll zoom in really close while you're just in a one-on-one conversational fight and it yeah it just it, it reframes and remixes the entire genre of the game just through camera movement and i think that's magical it's um on the pretty side of things abzu uh does a lot of framing that is it, it 
I have a difficult relationship with that game on that front because it rests control from the player so many times and it's like it's it's like sitting next to someone who keeps taking the controls and saying I just want to show you this and what they show you is really cool and really pretty but you're like just give me the controls back and play a game um but that said it does really know what it's doing in terms of guiding you through things to have reveal moments um and so those are very screenshotable or you know just really pretty or enjoyable and you know that same thing can be said in in terms of firewatch as well it does a lot of framing of vistas and things by only letting you stand in certain places or funneling you down towards reveal points and things like that which is really cool i played um something this week uh which comes out on friday uh, i believe called 2000 to 1 a space felony which is a kind oh yeah of small game it's made by uh, a group of people who made a free game before called disorient on the murder express which is like a comedy game where you're a detective what a title on a train. that is what a it's, title. it's wonderful but like it, it's a comedy game where you're on a train trying to figure out who's killed this person and there's a you know the way you were talking about dedicated buttons before one episode adam there's right, a dedicated yeah. button to sip whiskey in that game <laughs> um and uh that kind of humor has crossed over into this new one which is a paid for game and uh they do an interesting thing where you are a detective and you your job is to go into a space station and take photographs of this crime scene and when you take a photograph of the crime scene the camera cuts away from your view into a room where you're sitting with like a, a like a, who you assume is your cross examiner or your your sergeant or something who's taking your statement uh, of how you think the thing went down he, and he starts talking the narrator starts talking over it and going you saw the blood on the wall or you know whatever like uh, you saw the you saw that the person's helmet had been smashed by a blunt tool and all this stuff it's funnier than that but it kind of does that but your camera is still happening in the background on a tv screen so you can still walk and look around just on a smaller screen within Uh. the room that you are now sitting and you can do that while also pressing the right click button to sip coffee (laughs) at the same time as watching yourself move around it's really really fun I think that wraps up all of the questions we've got time for this week. If you would like to get in touch with us in between now and the next podcast, we are at Rock Paper Shot on pretty much all social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and so on. We are rockpapershotgun.com on the internet. Uh, in you, in you, if you want to get in touch with us individually, I'm at Philippa War on Twitter, which is is at P-H-I-L-I-P-P-A-W-A-R-R. Brendy? I'm at Brendy underscore C. Mm. And Adam? I'm at non-economical. Nice. Um, we are also on iTunes with this here podcast, and it would be super duper if you could give us a nice review if you like us, because that helps other people find the pod. Just click five stars. You don't even have to write anything. <laughs> Just click five stars and just think, yeah, I've done a good thing today. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> Help spread our whiffling to as many people as possible. And maybe Adam will have more people who use shields for his club. Yes. No. Yeah. Join my club. Yeah. I, ge- <laughs> I genuinely want emails. You can contact me in email as well. That's adam at rockpapershotgun.com, but only if you use a shield. Yeah. Uh, everyone else, no. You'll get blocked. God, that's, is that, was that on purpose, Pip? Was that? I wish it was. Let's. uh, uh, Brendy, could you edit this so that it looks like I did that on purpose? Um, No, I'm keeping it raw. (laughs) Okay, well, in that case, I'm just going to bounce off. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye.
press sneak fudge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>